I'm your host, Anita Inslee, and this is Decode the Secrets to Your Success, a podcast series dedicated to unveiling secrets for success in the entertainment industry and educating performers. This episode is entitled, 10 Things BFA Candidates Should Know Prior to Auditioning for a Program. My guest today is Gary Cadwallader. Gary started acting professionally at 12 years old in a production of Ah Wilderness. To date, he has over 150 theatrical performance credits and two national tours. As a director, he has directed over 50 professional and 25 educational productions. Gary can also be seen in the movie, A League of Their Own, and the television show, The New Untouchables. Gary currently holds the position of Director of Education and Community Engagement at Palm Beach Drama Works in Palm Beach, Florida, and continues to work as a freelance actor. You can find out more about Gary in the details section of this podcast. Gary, thank you so much for meeting with me today and discussing the tips for BFA candidates. Thank you for having me. Tip number one. There are two application processes for each school you wish to attend. You must first apply to the school, and then you must apply to the department. Theater and dance department webpages have specific directions. Check one out and read carefully. Start the screening process now. A lot of people think that when you apply to a university for a conservatory or any sort of BFA, you just need to apply to the university. There is a two-step process that is completely different, and in some cases, it's two sets of application fees. That's where a lot of students, I think, get tripped up in this Mm -hmm. process because First of all, they audition. I see it the other way around. They're auditioning for the for the program, and then they do not get accepted to the university or oh, the college. Yes, you're right. And that is a big problem that I've seen. And so, when applying, you know, or auditioning, they have to really keep that in mind as well. Look at what the university is requiring, and make sure that you also look to see that you have the qualifications or the that work done as well. All right, so let's spell that out just a little bit for someone that might not understand. Um, so a student thinks that I'm going to audition for University A, and they go to the theater department and see what the requirements are, and they prep for that audition. They may even apply to the department. How is it that you can be accepted to a department and not be accepted to the university? Well, a lot of it is GPA. I think that's the key, is GPA. Uh, A lot of our artists, our young artists, are very, very talented. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these programs require that you, uh, the universities require that you have a certain uh, academic skill. Okay, so there is a process where you have to meet the basic requirements for getting into the university. And that is completely separate from the department. Absolutely, completely separate. Uh, okay. Yeah, and, and I've seen that in anything from CCM to what's UCF. C- what's CCM? CCM is the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. And that's a conservatory school where it's private. 
It's a conservatory school where it's private, and it is very rigorous to get in, and the the college is rigorous, you know, to get in as well. Um, And I've seen it at the University of Central Florida, where students with actually fairly decent GPAs um, are being accepted into the BFA programs, but have not been accepted to the university. Right. UCF is a state school. CCM is a private school. And sometimes the difference between those acceptance bar or criteria are not always the same. They are not. And um, I know at UCF that the bar is pretty high because there's a medical school. And when a lot of people are applying, you take the top tier of who have applied. And if you're going, if you're a theater student and your GPA and SAT scores are not that great, that's going to be really difficult to get into that school. The other thing that I think impacted UCF knowing um, firsthand about it was in Florida, or I guess UCF did it, if you make it through the state college system for the two years, there's mm-hmm. that guaranteed acceptance now oh, yeah. into if, UCF. If you get an AA. If you get an AA, you ha- that UCF has to take you. So all of a sudden, um, you know, eight or nine years ago, you were not able to get into the university anymore mm-hmm. because they had accepted their quota of, of people in the university overall. Yeah. And that was an issue. And there were some very talented kids who I knew of who were not taken into the, who were accepted into the BFA musical theater program, but were not accepted into the university. Right, right. And that was a wake-up call and kind of a shocker. It was. I remember that. There mm-hmm. was a, the cap in enrollment, too, with, with right. the economic downturn, which meant if they're going to take the top 25%, it's going to be the 25% of the entire university and not just the theater Correct. or athletic or other departments. Right. Okay, very good. Good advice. Tip number two. A BFA program is for skill development and not just an opportunity to perform. Although you will find a department filled with kindred spirits who love theater and dance, Mounting Productions is not the primary experience for obtaining a BFA. Education about the craft is its first priority. Check out documentaries and notice how creative teams and performers bring history into their conversation. This is an example of an educated artist. I remember going to grad school and having someone say, it's a little bit rude, but he said that this particular university prided itself on educating their actors and their craft and the history of their craft so that the world didn't have any more stupid actors. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I was was 40-ish when I was in grad school. It didn't offend me. It just made me chuckle, (laughs) as it did you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I like... For students who think they want to go into performance, be it dance or theater, to understand it's not just performing. There are other things you need to learn. Do you have any hot points you want to? Do you mean such as life skills? Yeah, sure. Well, because it's really interesting because we as artists, Mm -hmm. our job is to bring vulnerability to the craft. So they want us to open up emotionally and be open and... And that's hard in our life to do that, but we have to be able to tap into our emotional life on stage. So they want actors or students really who can perform, but they also want them to be decent human beings, but they also want them to know that you have to survive outside of school. So for example, um, one program I've had my eye on, Southwest Texas State, Mm -hmm. San Marcos, Texas, 
they are uh, not only teaching their students skills-based learning, which is very mm-hmm. important to build your tap technique and your vocal technique and your acting technique, but they also have uh, medical professionals, um, psychologists who oh, are whoa. working with their students to make sure that they're healthy and ready mentally for this really? career field. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of schools are, are going a little bit deeper in life skills. So it's important that these departments are looking for well-rounded human beings to mm-hmm. be in mm-hmm. their program. It's not just about being a great actor, but also being a great human being. And adjustable. A- and adjustable. And, and adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter goes to Point Park, and she's in the conservatory there. And there is a course that everybody has to take, and it's called City Skills. Mm. Um, Point Park is in a series of high-rises in downtown Pittsburgh. To me, Pittsburgh's not an intimidating city, but it is a big city with bustling and buses and that sort of thing. And the school itself is in the middle of downtown. And it took me a while to realize there are people that come from small towns. They want to make sure they're there. However, they also teach the ability to explore the city, what art is, what culture is, and and that sort of thing. And it was a really important class for that. Let's also talk about another thing. I think young people sometimes think that all they're going to be doing is putting up shows. Like if you're coming from a high school and you look forward to that musical every year or the musical every summer, all of a sudden you get into a university program and you might not be cast in one. And there's all this other stuff you have to do, like tech the production mm-hmm. or design or lighting or history or any or th- that sort of thing. Um, how much of that, let's put that in perspective. That's my favorite thing to talk about, actually, with, with young people who are auditioning for colleges. Mm-hmm. I talk about it all the time. Um, it's because, like, well, you get more of that um, well-roundedness in theater and BA programs where mm-hmm. you are required to hang the lights right. and be a stage manager and work on props and yes. work on all, the, all those areas. And where I find this most useful is we as actors, as we get older, we transition a lot mm-hmm. into other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and my hope for everybody is that they transition in the theater or in the entertainment business yes. so they're in that yes. area. But one of the things I always... Um, stress to students is make sure you take a directing class Mm -hmm. because many of us transition into directing Mm -hmm. and to be a director you have to know about actors and working with actors which Mm -hmm. is as an actor you have an understanding of but what you don't know is you have to learn how to talk to designers Mm -hmm. and stage managers and technicians you have Mm -hmm. to learn to talk to a designer about scenic design and what you envision or a lighting Mm -hmm. designer and what you envision and what the colors need to be but have an intelligent conversation with them about it Mm -hmm. instead of just saying I want it to be pretty (laughs) you know or I want it you know to be just make it nice you know you have to be a little bit more specific than that and 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 I want to say again, and you have to have a vision. You have to have a vision. Yes. Well, just like you have to have a vision for the role, if, if you're an actor, you have to create a vision for that role as well. You have to know what those that character's objectives are. You have to know why they're in the play. You have to know their their purpose and connection with everybody. You have to have a vision for the character. A director, you have to have a vision for the whole show. Everything. For yes. everything. Yes. You, they're all, everyone is always going to be looking at you as the director and, mm-hmm. and looking for answers. Mm-hmm. And you have to know the answers or you have to say, let me think on it. And I'll get right back to you mm-hmm. on it. But you, they, everyone looks to you. Right. And so 
you know, again, we as as artists, we transition, and that's the best thing. You know, when when I hear a lot of young people say, "My parents want me to do something to fall back on," well, you can fall back on mm-hmm. different areas in the theater mm-hmm. and entertainment. You, it doesn't have to be waiting tables or being mm-hmm. a lawyer. You can still do something in this business, and yeah. and I've done that, mm-hmm. becoming an education director, um, because. To me, well, it makes me marketable to work full-time in a theater company. Right. And I get to work full-time in a theater company and act on stage and direct yeah. and, and and also teach or master classes or what have you and create programming. But I wouldn't have been able to do that without having that broad knowledge in both my undergraduate BA program and my graduate MFA program. Mm-hmm. I learned how to teach. I mm-hmm. learned how to talk to designers, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think it's really important. And one thing in conservatory training is we, there is a lot of focus on building skills for an actor, but I always stress, try to get into a directing class. Mm-hmm. Try to find as many different um, outlets for your um, for knowledge in the theater or entertainment mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Don't be so tunnel vision into right. just the acting. So, And sometimes our egos are like, I'm going to be an actor and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it all the time for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. that's just not it, reasonable. It's not It's not an accurate assumption. Right. E- even uh, friends of mine who work on Broadway a lot, there's mm-hmm. still gaps in time. Right. There are right. still gaps in time right. uh, where they don't work. And for example, Leslie Flesner, who we used to work with, um, gosh, she must be on her, what, 10th Broadway show now? Mm-hmm. But there are times when she's not working. Right. So what are you going to do? Right. You know, so there's an opportunity. Maybe you teach dance classes or so maybe you teach uh, or maybe you coach or what, right. what. But it's all but you but it's all based on a knowledge of, I guess, leadership is what I'm trying to say, yeah. is, is also becoming a leader. Because actors typically are collaborators in the process, but, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, what's it like to lead a process? Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very important. But if you can't, if, it, if they don't allow you to take a directing class, then direct in the studio theater. Right. Create exactly. a project for yourself. Exactly. It's really important that you learn how to do that. I just always stress directing, and I I'll actually stress stage management sometimes, too. Yeah. And choreographing. Mm-hmm. There's there are all those all those parts of the artistic team that are important. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you. Tip number three. BFA students will explore new approaches and hone skill. Be prepared for instruction that will require a change in the way you perform. I was a voice teacher at a university in the theater department and a voice teacher and in a junior college in their AA program for music. Um, and the most interesting thing for me was getting young students straight out of high school that were praised for what they had in high school, but coming upon new skill. Here are the tools we're going to use to develop this part of your voice mm-hmm. and how reticent they were at such a young age just completely stuck in what they did mm-hmm. not really ready to explore the fact that there were other ways to do things so you can have that with dancing you can have that with singing you can have that with acting and everything um, being stuck in your ways at a very young age and not realizing there's so much more to learn about the execution of your graft. And here's why. I'm going to back <laughs> up your point 100%. In high school, you're typically with the same 
drama de- director or teacher for mm-hmm. four years. Mm-hmm. When we're out here in the professional world, you are constantly working with new people. Mm-hmm. You are always working with a new director. You are always working with a new music director. You're always working with a new choreographer. Everybody's approach and process is different. Mm-hmm. And there is not one university program, especially BFA, where they don't have their own style or their mm-hmm. own approach mm-hmm. to any one of those areas. And we have to be open to those approaches because what makes us a good artist later on is taking a little bit from this teacher and a little bit from mm-hmm. this teacher and mm-hmm. a little bit from this teacher, these things that you create for yourself, mm-hmm. like, um, oh, this this part of the process works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of warm-up works for me mm-hmm. or this kind of way of finding my objectives works for me. Mm-hmm. And then taking all those different aspects and creating your own... Yeah. Um, your own method yeah but let me pause right there because we're talking i'm in support of that we're talking about people who are entering a process and the one thing that i had to constantly stay in college was when you graduate you can have your own cachet of your own process but while you're in college you have to explore the process i'm giving you Mm -hmm. 100 percent because you're in school you're learning. When you're done and I am no longer hanging over your head giving you a grade, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know, but you have to explore that. So yes. Well, that's what I'm I'm that's really what I'm saying because you you have to be open to every you have to be open to your teachers and what they're asking you to explore mm-hmm. because you don't know what you don't know. Right. First of all. That's the biggest. That's the biggest <laughs> thing is you don't know what you don't know and when you go in there, it may it may you may come up against someone else's process. But until you try it, yeah. you don't know that right. it's not going to work for you. So you have to be open to it, mm-hmm. no matter how painful it is, because part of the creative process is ripping away and finding a new way. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what makes us good artists, mm-hmm. is listening. I mean, again, and I said you're going to be working with different um, directors and, and choreographers and music directors, but you're also going to be working with a different group of people mm-hmm. in the cast if you're lucky right. enough to work a lot. So you are all you always have to be open to what they're giving you. So being open to what your teachers and professors are giving you, mm-hmm. too, is of the utmost importance because right. you have to always be flexible and malleable as an artist, mm-hmm. always. Have your technique, but also mm-hmm. be open to it because what you're right. giving me on stage, I have to respond to it, mm-hmm. and someone else is going to give you something completely different. So it's always about responding to what you have. Right, and if you don't have those qualities and you're not open to that, you won't be successful. You will not. You won't be successful. Um, what One thing that came to mind while you were talking, it's like, any body type going into a gym and having someone say, oh, you're fine, you can leave now. There's always something to do. Always. Always something to learn and always something to do. And you can't push back and say, I don't see the point when someone is developing something in you. Your plies can always be deeper. <laughs> your turnout can always be yes, bigger. You. Your um, your vocal technique can always be stronger. Right. You, can, you can be increasing your range and your support and learning how that musculature works because you're still, at 18 years old, you still are not a fully formed body. And you have 10 years before it starts to go the other direction. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then you need to get back right. to class to figure out how to use what you have and how it's changing. Yes, yeah, and how it's changing. Right, that's so true. <laughs> but you, but you, will, you should. In this field, you will always be a student, especially of yourself. Yeah. You know, and you must always be, you must always be a, that learner. Being an yeah. artist is being a learner always. always. 
Yes, very good. Tip number four. There is a lot to learn. Get rid of the words, quote, I thought. Your education is going to expand beyond your expectation. Your education will head in directions you have not anticipated. When encountering the unexpected, embrace it and enjoy this new journey. Well, we just spent a lot of time talking about that already, but it can't be stated enough. In quotations, I thought dot, dot, dot. Um, I would hear that a lot at the university level. And um, my response would be, well, let's think about this. Um, there's always something else. Uh, you, well, you always have to have an open mind. Mm -hmm. You know, artists, again, always have to have an open mind. And, uh, and yes, you are too young at that age to be stuck in, mm -hmm. in, in a place where you feel like what works for you now is going to always work for you. Well, and even at our age, which we might or might not say what that is, um, and in our middle age performance and directing um, years, if we were to be put in a situation we've never been in before, we would maybe go, oh, this is not what I thought. Not like I thought and it has to be my way, but I know I still have. Um, I, a month and a half ago, shot a commercial and I had not done that in a couple decades. And the change in technology, I had to keep myself, my mouth shut the whole time and just absorb because mm -hmm. so much was the same and so much was very different. Right. And so it doesn't matter how old you are, you can't be stuck in I thought. Well, change is the natural progression in life. Mm -hmm. Change is what's normal. Stasis, staying exactly the same, is not normal. Right. And so trying, to, as artists, trying to maintain and try to say, this is what it is now. Because still, even for me, I have mm -hmm. my own technique and process for not only acting but directing. Mm -hmm. um, but every time I sit down and crack open a script, it is, I, I approach it in a new way. There's something new that I right. find. Mm -hmm. So being open to change is is the key uh, and and believe me i have heard i have heard actors say things like well um, this that's not how i do it i want this or oh, i or i need this oh, there's yeah. a big hollywood actress i worked with who whose name i shall not say on the name <laughs> but all she said the entire time on set was i need this this is what i need oh. here so everyone else had to sort of say okay well I guess we have to give her what she needs, which to, which to me is a, is a very poor way of working because you are not and and this big Hollywood actress we don't really hear about her anymore. Oh, okay. So that that to me is key mm -hmm. to to that what I heard on set mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. So um, being being. Uh, open to embrace and to see to feel what's coming at you and mm -hmm. to learn what's coming at you mm -hmm. and to respond to it differently mm -hmm. is a technique all its own mm -hmm. you know uh, right now mm -hmm. I feel I'm, I, I can stand up in front of a group of people or I can go to an audition or I can get start the first day of rehearsal and not be nervous about it anymore because right. not only do I know myself but I know that I can be open to you right. I can be open to you and to you and to the director and I, I'm changeable I'm malleable mm -hmm. um, but I still have my technique 
Right. And that's really key and really, really important to it me as an artist. And I do try to pass that on to young artists to and say. And don't you wish you could take what you have now at this age and yes. take it back to your 20s and start over again? I, in a way, I do. It seems like a cruel thing, but there must be some cosmic reason that is. But we have we don't have the wisdom we gather. Mm-hmm. We probably wouldn't listen to it. Somebody probably that's tried true. to tell us back then what we know now that's and we true were like oh yeah whatever well you that's know. true because <laughs> young people do feel like that um that uh, this is everything in this moment yeah without realizing that this is actually just the first step <laughs> in the moment and so there is a whole lot more mm-hmm. to experience but absolutely well that's a famous actress i don't remember who it was said that uh by the time she was 80 i think it was uh, um one of the dames, one of the British dames said, you know, now I feel like I can play Juliet. <laughs> and she's 80 years old. Yes, I, I feel that. You yes, know? I feel that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Tip number five. When you are auditioning for a BFA program, you are auditioning for school, not a show. You are auditioning to learn. Your skills don't have to be Broadway or concert ready. You just have to show talent and your ability to follow directions when putting together your audition package. Make a list of requirements for each school. Select material carefully. There's a lot packed into this one. Um, It's school. You're auditioning to learn. So let go of all the intimidation about, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. You put together your package, your audition package, and you try. The first test is the auditions. You know, each school has their own requirements for what they want to see. Two contrasting monologues, one, you know, contrasting song and a monologue, and or two contrasting monologues and a song, or two songs and two monologues. Mm-hmm. That's a test with, <laughs> with, with that time limit in it, mm-hmm. you know. That's the test right there. Explain what you mean by that. What I, well, they, first, first of all, to, to the point of you're auditioning for a program and not for a role, mm-hmm. is they want to see that you are a company member who they want to work with for four years. Meaning? Meaning that they want to see that you are a person who is personable, uh, is talented but is not perfect because mm. they, they're not looking for perfect students. They there are looking for students who are talented but students who are malleable, mm-hmm. I guess you'd Teachable. say. Teachable. Uh, and they want to know that you are the right person, that you're the right fit in their company. A company of member, a company of people or a company of actors are truly people who get along with one another, mm-hmm. who have less ego, Mm. and more id, you Mm. know, to to give. Mm. We're givers, not takers. Mm. And they want to see that you are a student who is willing to learn and wants to learn and wants to work collaboratively. That's what they're looking for at the auditions. Mm -hmm. And so... How do you see that at an audition? What does that person look like? Oh, well, what does that person look like? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, the material that they've chosen fits exactly into the requirements. Mm -hmm. So it fits into the time period. You don't have to cut cut them off for their auditions. Mm -hmm. You say, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're only supposed to take in 32 bars, they don't want a full song. They showed, number one, you're not following directions. Mm -hmm. Following directions is important because that's what you do all through school in in coursework is follow directions. And in your career. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop in college. And uh, so they're looking to see that. Then what they do, they typically interview you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they want to see the person. They don't want to see a character. 
They mm. want to see the person. That's the hardest. It is. So they're going to ask you questions. Why do you want to audition? Why do you want to be in the program at um, at uh, Carnegie Mellon? Why do you want to be here? And they don't want that pat answer that says, you know, that sounds really rehearsed. You're the best, and I want to be in the best. Exactly. <laughs> they want yeah. to know. They want to know deep down in your heart and your read soul. Something on the website. Absolutely, you should know exactly why you're auditioning for right. Carnegie Mellon, not just because a good friend of yours is there. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. not a good answer. Um, and run your answers. Um, I in one of my books, I have a list of questions to go over, and you can get these questions from. Many places, but run your answers by people. Absolutely. To make sure that you're not sounding arrogant. It is possible to sound arrogant, and you're not an arrogant person. True. You're just constructing the answer. You think you're constructing a brilliant answer to a tough question, and you sound like a jerk. Right. <laughs> you know, so run your answers by people. Run your answers by a knowledgeable person. Mm, yeah, you know? true. Well, yes. and I don't know. I mean, maybe it is also running it by a person who's not invested in what you do. Maybe it's another professional or a parent who mm -hmm. might have, you know, a, a good thing to say about it. But it's it's important that you ha that's the question they most ask is why do you want to study here yeah that truly is like the number one question now they ask other things too mm -hmm. they'll ask you about your material mm -hmm. so for romeo's monologue here what, what do you think is you know what do you think he really wants here mm -hmm. and so you have to know about your material you have to know why you have to talk intelligently about your right, character right. that you that you just performed, mm -hmm. or if it's you know Kate and Kiss Me Kate that you're singing, mm -hmm. you know talk. You, they might ask you about Kate. And you what know. and what um, Shakespeare play is this based on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! If you don't know that, and you go into your audition <laughs> doing that, um, then then you need to take a step back and yeah. and really evaluate. So you you don't have to know a vast number of things, but when you select your material research what you just picked absolutely and know it you don't have to know everything you don't but you should you, know where in the dramatic arc that piece sure, comes from sure. because it's important to know <clears throat> if you're doing emily from our town you need to know that this is the last time she's saying goodbye to her mother mm -hmm. and so you know it should be so emotional that you've got snot coming out of your <laughs> nose and i see so many young women doing that monologue and have absolutely no emotional strength or power in that moment when it's one of the most powerful moments in the show. Mm -hmm. So if you think it's just towards the beginning of the show, it's actually towards right. the climax where it has to be powerful. True. I mean, know everything about what you're doing, but you don't have to know a vast number of plays. Just when you and your coach pick something, know everything about that piece Absolutely. that you just picked it from. And nowadays with the internet, that is not hard. It's not hard anymore. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you um, can read, like, especially if you're doing a Shakespeare monologue, and many schools ask. I don't know that CCM uses a Shakespeare monologue anymore, but when I first started coaching about 20 years ago, mm -hmm. they required a Shakespeare monologue for the BFA musical theater students. And it, sometimes you will see for BFA acting students, please know Shakespeare. Right. Um, and I think... They just would run up against brick walls with students yeah, not showing their best selves. True. And you have to keep in mind that the schools want to make sure that they don't miss out on really good talent because of the lack of integrity in the material. Right. So that could be a reason why they... Well, and let me go, let me go forward and say, you know, uh, we sort of touched on this, but I really want to say that mm -hmm. you, w our, our mindset is we need to go in this audition and be perfect. Yeah. And they're not looking for perfection. No, no. You know, but otherwise they would say, well, why don't you just go to New York right now? They're not mm -hmm. looking for perfection. They're looking for people who they feel 
are are um, I keep saying malleable, but are you that know they can teach. They're teachable. And when you're finished after your four years, you're a good example of what that school can do. Exactly. Not that you had everything before you came in, but mm-hmm. you're a good example of the product that this school puts puts out. Right. And I guess that brings it this back to a lot of things. Everything is a product, even we are. It's true. Well, and they do look at you as a product because they want they want you to when you graduate, they want you to work. Right. Because for you working says something about their program. Yeah. And that's what's important is they right. want you to be castable mm-hmm. when you leave. Right. And, and one one other thing they do in auditions is they give you adjustments. You know, they'll give you an adjustment and want you to try it a different oh. way to see if you're directable. Mm-hmm. And that's key too because I mean, I sit in auditions a lot and I I give adjustments. Adjustments and means you give direction. I give directions okay. in the moment and, and want you to try it a different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been on auditions where they've given me six to eight adjustments to see, mm-hmm. and they and don't let me think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, now like try it now like a hippie in the '60s. Go. Yeah. And you can't even think about it first. Mm-hmm. You just have to like go into that archetype. Yeah, right. And they've thrown those things at me to see if I'm able to mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. something new on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will give you a. They won't always do that, but they will give you adjustments in 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 your audition if they like you to see if you can take direction mm-hmm. and if you mm-hmm. are able to not just repeat it rote the way right. you just exactly. did it. Exactly. So to, so that they know that you are thinking in the moment because that's what they want. Are artists who think in the moment. Exactly. Because they want, because you as an actor should always be in the moment. Yeah, very good. Tip number six. You will need to develop an appetite to explore the industry beyond your favorite productions and current trends. You will learn about landmark productions and major influences in your craft. Material will be selected to create a well-rounded education. Decide to keep an open mind. While I was on faculty, sometimes in the season, there would be something that the students thought was archaic, old-fashioned, slow, and ridiculous because it didn't compare to Wicked or it didn't compare to Legally Blonde or Prom. Um, And it was older material, 1940s material, and therefore the production took on the style of that. And the set was the style of that. And staging was the style of that. And I remember being on on faculty and listening to the students complain, and it's like, you're here for an education. You need to know about this to feed anything you do in the future. So, um, and I said that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when I help professionals, my studio is filled with professionals, working professionals. One of the first things I do is pull out an audition rep sheet that has all of the genres that they should have at their disposal for auditions. And it's amazing how limited the, they could have in an audition book. And it's within the same five-year period. Yeah. So here at Palm Beach Drama Works, we're lucky because we have something called the Drama Log Series where we bring in guests from around, from the from the business, and they come and they just really talk to our general audience about their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stephen Sondheim's a music director, um, Paul Gemignani, mm-hmm. was here to give a Drama Wise, and it was really interesting what he said. Uh, he just directed, um, music directed, um, what was it? A Rodgers and Hammerstein piece that came back a couple of years ago. And uh, 
he said he, they could not find anybody for this Broadway revival who had this skill set oh, wow. for this Rodgers and Hammerstein piece. And a lot of programs are teaching to the new material, which they should be doing mm-hmm. it, but they also need to be ensuring that they're teaching the classics. Mm-hmm. Look, Oklahoma is coming back to Broadway this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. We have to know not only how to do uh, Pesach and Paul, but we also mm-hmm. have to know how to do Rodgers and Hammerstein mm-hmm. and uh, Irving Berlin or mm-hmm. who have you. Mm-hmm. We, need to, we need to understand all those different styles. Mm-hmm. You never know if you are going to, in a summer stock season, whether you're going to do Be More Chill and <laughs> um, Holiday Inn, right, you know, right, together right. in rap or what have you. Uh, because in my career, I've done all different kinds exactly. of work. And you have to be you have to be knowledgeable in all of those areas. And remember that you need to have diversity because in my studio, like I said, they're professionals and they're from, they haven't been, maybe they haven't been in school for a while, but they're all from, they have degrees and they're all from different places. And I keep thinking, you can't tell me that no one at any of these universities explain that you need some Tin Pan Alley or you need some Golden Age musical theater or you need some 1970s or, you, and, and I think people graduated and left it behind or mm. just ignored it maybe. And because of what's on Broadway now, they're up pops a Rogers and Hammerstein piece, and nobody has anything in their book that compares that they can audition with. That's right. So, and 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 let's add into that pop music because look at all the jukebox musicals, right, whether it's right. Waitress or mm-hmm. uh, the Share Show or whatever. Now we're not uh, we're looking at not only in having all the knowledge of musical theater, but also mm-hmm. that pop music styles right, as right. well. Donna Summer, you know, mm-hmm. all the all the different things that have come up recently, and it's important to have all of those things. Country music. Right. Look at all the shows that you could be working out around the country. And there was a season. Music. Yeah, there was a season on Broadway where there was a lot of country music. Right, Bright Star, and yes. Mm -hmm. And you're right, when you're auditioning for regional theater, which we all do to make a living, you're right. There's a you need a country song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. You need to have a book that has all different styles in it. Not just things you like. Not just things you like. Or things you think you like. Right. Or limited to things you. Anyway. Yeah, because <laughs> because you have to be prepared with those pieces at all mm-hmm. times. Right. You have to be prepared with that legit piece. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's you know my white knight from Music Man, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you have to have your Pesach and Paul, and you have to have your country music. You have to have all those mm-hmm. different styles ready to go. Right. Not just oh my dear. I need to learn right. a 1950s song stand- now. Standard literature yeah. in your audition book. Yeah, in your audition yes. book, yeah. Very cool. Tip number seven. You will learn about character type in dance as well as in theater. As you and your skill develop, so may your character type. The character type in which you are cast in the finite community within your school may not be the character type in which you're cast in the professional arena. Find and watch videos of professional productions. Learn the look of castable types. Embrace yourself as you are and find your place. You were one of the first people 30-ish years ago um, that I heard talk about castable type. And you said about yourself, at the time. Had I known my type when I first started, things would be completely different for me. It's true. Um, 
and I call it archetype now. I mean, it is your type, but it's your archetype. Yeah, uh, and, and, and my explain what you mean by that. Yeah, so we, you know, there are there are archetypes that we see in casting. We we want to. What is name and name an archetype? Um, young ingenue male. Yes, was, was what who I was when I first started out because uh, of my height. Mm-hmm. And I was character re- ingenue male. Char- character ingenue male, even. Mm-hmm. I always thought I was a leading man. You know? <laughs> uh, well, you're handsome. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, but 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 that's not how I was cast. Right. And I should have known that in college and in graduate school, I was always the character actor, and I mm-hmm. always had a lot of fun, and I always embraced that. But I kept saying, yeah, when I get out there, I'll be a leading man. <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't because of my height and my. What is your height? My height is five nine. Mm-hmm. I'm probably a little shorter now. I'm shrinking mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, and and leading man, they're looking for a much taller type because mm-hmm. they want the leading lady to be a little taller and with you know, heels on. With heels on, mm-hmm. and so they would always be taller than I was. Mm-hmm. But but again, it's not even just physically my height. It's also my temperament. It's also who essence. I am. It's my essence, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of th- that's what I took. You know, I had to get to learn my, about myself as a human being mm-hmm. to accept mm-hmm. that part of my casting. You know. In the musical theater codex, I took the archetypes: ingenue male, uh, romantic lead, character male, character female, and bl- made them a little bit more specific, like mm. character ingenue male versus. Ingenue male. A character, ingenue male, can be shorter. Mickey Rooney was one. That's right. Um, um, Whereas where there's more romantic ingenue males, like Marius in Les Mis, right, which right, is more romantic. Exactly. Um, I found while I was coaching that there aren't just antagonists, females and males. There are romantic antagonists who are the nemesis but they're beautiful, seductive, and alluring. And that is why they're in the story, um, to be alluring and to pull the protagonist away from their quest, you know, and to be a distraction. So there are, you know, different character types. Um, I want to throw in that you said your school always cast you as the character male. I found in the university in which I taught that um, it was a school that actually celebrated, and it's a wonderful thing, the, the more character type of actors, mm-hmm. and that's how who they accepted um, into the program, and the hard and fast ingenues weren't in plinchous number there, so there were character actors that were portraying ingenues in their semester productions Mm. and so they spent four years being the ingenue at the university but that was not who they were going to be professionally professionally Mm -hmm. and unfortunately I took that on as my quest in a loving way let's not look at Cinderella let's look at Portia in Cinderella Um, let's not look at fairy godmother let's look at the stepmother you know um to help people see themselves differently so that they weren't devastated and empty-handed when it came time to go to audition. right 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 and 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 correct or not professionals cast based on archetype they want to see that visual up on stage oh, sure. not just the visual but also again what you said the essence mm-hmm. you know and i it makes I, it believable it makes it believable it makes it to the audience to suspend disbelief 
It has to be believable. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You have to have the belief to suspend it. Yeah. Yes. Well, and that's, you know, we see that. And, you know, when, from about myself, I discovered that I could do big, broad comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's what kept me working. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I realized, well, then this really is who I am. I'm mm-hmm. not that leading man type. You know, so I'm not just going to stand and sing. I'm going to be one throwing myself all over the place, right, off right, the sofa right. or around the stage because yeah. I actually had that essence and capability. So that's how I worked. And mm-hmm. so once I got that and once I understood that, it, my path was so much clearer and the work became so much more plentiful, mm-hmm. if you will. So I went from playing those quirky ingenues like, for example, um, uh, a Tommy in Music Man, which mm-hmm. I did a couple of times, you know, that young character who's, who's sort of big and broad mm-hmm. into playing um, older characters, older mm-hmm. than me, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also like, uh, for example, um, Phil in White Christmas or mm-hmm. uh, what's the character in Singing in the Rain? Uh, Cosmo. Cosmo, you know, yeah. into playing roles like that because that is who I am. I had the capability of not only dancing, but mm-hmm. also the the mm-hmm. big physical broad comedy. This is true. So I'm not going to be playing. Well, actually, I did play the other uh, the other lead role in in what in Singing in the Rain. You did in Summerstock in Illinois, and it mm-hmm. was not successful. Mm. It was not successful. The I, show or you? Me. Okay. Yeah, because I felt like I was pasting it on mm-hmm. me rather mm-hmm. than whereas when I played Cosmo, it was completely natural. There's an emotional connection to it. There's that. an emotional connection to it and that yes. shows. Yeah. And it's what keeps you in the business when things get a little difficult. When right. you're when you're auditioning with material that's a, that you can connect to emotionally and that looks good on you and clarifies to the casting team or the artistic team, oh, I see you. That's right. who you are. Right. Whether you're right for the show or not, it is more satisfying to go in a room and for people to see you right. and what you do right. well. Um, keeps you in the business. And, and going back to those who are in <clears throat> high school, um, you know, again, there probably might be a lot more non-traditional casting mm-hmm. in high schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in some arts magnet high schools, it's actually pretty accurate. But there's still non-traditional casting in high schools. And so we might not have a full sense of who, mm-hmm. it, who it is we are. And plus you're a teenager as well. Right. And and it's great to learn, you know, in your, when you're cast. It mm-hmm. is great to learn those roles and, and to be working and developing process. But it may not be that realistic. Mm-hmm for auditioning for college well take what your material is for your college auditions Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you resonate with that material you know if you really truly are um, a soubrette or what you Mm -hmm. call a um um, how would you archetype the like that soubrette character you know the the quirky female character ingenue character ingenue then then if that's the material you take into your audition then that's what's going to get you into that program right. if exactly. you if you're more in tune with yourself in terms right. of who you right. are it is that material selection mm-hmm. you know you may and be able to sing why my white knight from from music right. man but right. they may not see you as that 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 type of that marian leading lady they yeah, might see you as zanita yeah yeah Right. You know, exactly. So you may be taking in the wrong material. The mayor's wife. The ma- <laughs> or the mayor's wife. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and to talk about non-traditional casting, that still is a beautiful thing. Um, we just saw Frozen in New York um, last Sunday, and um, the father of Anna and Elsa was African-American, and no one else in the family was, but he was still a tall, strapping, handsome, deep-voiced, 
power, powerful stance man on the stage. It was right. blind casting, but the type the was archetype was still the same. there. Kristoff mm-hmm. was African American, um, a light skinned African American, but he obviously was, but he was still an athletic, mm-hmm. handsome, goofy, funny guy. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, um, the color of our skin now is is one thing where we are thinking differently in terms of mm-hmm. how we're seeing it on stage, mm-hmm. but still the physical archetype yeah, right. is the still essence. the same. And the essence. And the essence. What you sound like. If the father of Anna and Elsa had that physical presence, but he had a high squeaky. You or know, sounded like <laughs> Harvey Firestein. Yeah, or <laughs> You know, it would not yeah. have played as well. So it's right. the essence and everything involved in That's it. That's right, yes. All right, perfect. Tip number eight. Theater and dance professionals are historians. The art of storytelling through design, direction, choreography, and performance involve learning about the world in which the production lives. Knowing history is the beginning of creating believability. Start to learn to embrace history. Watch bonus features that contain artistic teams discussing their research and how it influenced their creativity. This is your wheelhouse of right here. <laughs> I research my characters and the play mm-hmm. so thoroughly because I always find nuggets of information. Yes. Mm-hmm. So last season when I did Tom Stoppard's Arcadia here mm-hmm. in Palm Beach Drama Works, I was in heaven because it's all these historical characters and archetypes. You know, I played this big blustery military man and um, I found in... 18th century um, literature, these archetype characters, and and they literally had names for their types back then. And mm-hmm. I was, oh, and, yeah. and then they listed yeah. their character. I was like, oh my gosh, I just found all the physicality for my character yeah. right in this research. Right, right. And so I research thoroughly, whether mm-hmm. I'm acting or directing. If I'm directing, it's even it's more. more. It's yeah. even more. But as an actor, researching it and learning about Anything historical about, about the play is really, mm-hmm. really important mm-hmm. for me because you are, the more you find, the more colors you find for the mm-hmm. character and the more colors you find, the more complex the character, the more interesting the character is right. on stage. And the more you can give to your collaborators, to your fellow actors. Mm-hmm. It's You can hear it in my voice. My voice is already <laughs> rising. I'm so passionate about it. Right, right. And so, and I actually found that when I was in graduate school. I actually mm-hmm. found that because we were a very research-based university, mm-hmm. and uh, they were always making us research. And because of that, I found a love of research. And I was like, and I, if anything, if I pulled anything from, from graduate school, it was learning how to find the character, not just through emotions, but also through historical or socio sociological context. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in grad school as well. Um, actually, you were one of my professors in grad school. That's right, I was. <laughs> um, we're the same age. But, um, I don't want him to seem ancient. Um, we learned to do, I learned what a case book was. I had come across it. It's the book that the dramaturg What's mm. a dramaturg? A dramaturg is someone who does two things. They do all the historical research for about the play. For, for the, the theater. For the theater or the director or mm-hmm. for the show itself. Mm-hmm. And in another sense, a dramaturg will help a playwright help form the, a new play. You know, think about different ways that they can tell that story or mm-hmm. think ways they're being redundant or certain mm-hmm, things. So they're, mm-hmm. they're script 
um, script analysts as well mm -hmm. as researchers mm -hmm. for the production. So in grad school, every production, um, we had to pick project musicals. Um, and we had to do a case book where all of the research went into what can you find out in order to create the vision for the set? What kind of art existed during the time of this play? What did it look like? What colors were used? Um, what color were the um, uh, interior design or exterior? Uh, I'm not a designer, so I may use wrong words, but um, um, research the art of the time, research the clothing of the time, you know, and, and so we learned to put together case books. I had seen those in other productions while I was a working actor. Um, I didn't come in close contact with that case book, but um, what I needed to know was brought to me in rehearsals. Um, but that's where I learned to do that. And it is fascinating. Even if you don't think you would like this and it sounds horrible, it really is interesting. It is. Well, you, well, you, you said one thing about clothing. Look at the clothing of the time period. Mm -hmm. you, just, you can bet 1,000% that the costume designer is right. going to be put you, putting you in something like that. So how does a woman hold himself? How yeah. does a man hold himself? How does a man hold his leg and his foot? How uh -huh. did you know that at that time period that the calf of the man was the most sexy thing? So that's why they have their front foot turned so that they mm -hmm. can you show can their, their calf. Right. You know? And so when you know that and learn it, that gives you clues right. to creating the physicality right. of the character, but also you know, tells you a lot about, like for the woman, you know, in that corset all day, how mm -hmm. is she going to feel in this moment? And even in contemporary things, if you're dealing with characters that lived a life that you didn't live, you still have research to do. Absolutely. Um, so. Absolutely. Research is really key. And it's, it's, it's actually a lot of fun as well. It's not really as much work. And well, now it's a lot easier. It is. It's, yeah, it's it almost, easier. so much a lot easier. There's so much more online mm -hmm. than you mm -hmm. could find. Back in the day, we had to go to the library right. to find that research. <laughs> We knew where libraries actually were. Exactly. <laughs> so, it, but it is a lot easier to do that now. Like I found historic when I was doing Arcadia. To, to go back to that example, I found whole texts online, you know, free at Google mm, Books mm -hmm, or what have mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. to, that talked about the archetype of what it was like in um, in uh, Emily Dickinson's day or mm -hmm. or what have you. You know, so I we learned a lot about the time period. Mm. There's a lot of his mm -hmm. historical stuff out there. So a lot of stuff on, on university websites, oh, exactly. interestingly enough, right. you know, were... That anybody can get to. That anyone can get to. Yeah. Excellent. Tip number nine. Do your research. Research the program. Look beyond the popular names that everybody knows. Find a resource that lists schools that offer the degree you want and make your list. Look at those that are a perfect fit for your personality and your budget. This is a big topic. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of parents want their child to stay in state. And that's one of the because first Because it's thing, economical. Because it's economical. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that. Yeah. And so there's a lot of factors in choosing these programs. Uh, you know, I always suggest that you at least audition for other programs mm -hmm. outside of state or what have you. But... Again, that's expensive now, too, because of the but application fees. But it's getting fees. closer. They're, they're, uh, universities are going to not just New York and Chicago auditions, but they get even closer. Yeah, that's true. They do get a lot closer now. They're, they're doing a much better job of it. Yes, they are. Um, and also places like Florida Theater Conference or if you go to SCTC, Southeastern Theater Conference, you can audition for a lot of schools. Mm -hmm. You know, here in Florida, you can do that right there in Gainesville or in mm -hmm. any one of those states, actually, in the Southeastern Theater Conference. Audition for, for schools right. in that area, just going to those conferences. So that's actually helpful, too. Yes. Um, so it's, 
it's very it's very tricky, but it's there's more than just the CCMs and the Carnegie Mellons mm-hmm. and the University of Michigan mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. the Florida States. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other programs that are actually very good, have mm-hmm. very good training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, I was talking about Southwest Texas, Southwest Texas. You know, in in uh, San Marcos, Texas, which is halfway between Austin and San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And what a good program that is for musical theater. And there are resources where you can actually go look at the state, um, look at schools by state. Pedigree schools are the ones that you are naming, like CCM and, mm-hmm. and Carnegie Mellon and University of Michigan. University of Michigan. Um, pedigree schools. There are some, and I'm not blaming this on in, on these universities, but there are some where competition is extremely stiff to get in, and it continues to be stiff while you're there. It is. And it is survival of the fittest, where the point is to see how much you can put the students through, strip away bad habits any way possible, and Mm. let them build back another performer. That's correct. That is not the only way to teach a student. There are places that are a lot more harmonious than that and more nurturing than that and smaller than that and more um, hands-on about making sure you're where you need to be. So you need to look at those factors as well. Um, I have one big piece of advice, and that is call the school. Mm -hmm. Talk to them and, and ask them about how they what their process is, Mm -hmm. what is their process in teaching, what is their pedagogy, because you want to be able to ask them those questions. A lot of times we don't feel like we can do that, Mm -hmm. but I would suggest calling the department Mm -hmm. all the time. Ask to speak to a graduate, ask to speak to a current student, Um, ask to talk to them about it. They will Mm -hmm. tell you, you know, a Carnegie Mellon student will tell you, this is rigorous and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And and as a teenager, if you're a teenager in this process, do get your parents involved. If they are, 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 if you feel they are trusted worthy and know you really well get them involved because they have questions to ask that you might not know to ask and whether we want to own it as a teenager or not they really do know us yeah (laughs) and they know what makes us thrive um Mm. urban versus rural being in a big city or a small town um two hundred thousand dollar bill or a $24,000 bill. Right. Um, I have three kids, and my oldest had to go as cheaply as possible, and my youngest is, is at one of the most expensive <laughs> universities um, there is because um, of her skill set and what this school had to offer. And guess what? She's the last one. You know, I know right. I don't have to educate anybody after her. Right. And we're all, and the other two are out of the house, so there's more, you know. And as unfair as that seems, those are factors that you need to... It's really interesting. I hear a lot from students, I need to be in a school in New York. Mm-hmm. I no. need to be going to NYU or or Marymount Manhattan. I need to be training mm-hmm. in New York City. When there are schools like Elon and Elon, North mm-hmm. Carolina, mm-hmm. that have excellent training. I've always seen amazing students come into auditions from Elon because they are not cookie cutter. They are, yeah. They're not, you know, big, bright, and you know, shine, Mm -hmm. they actually have a lot of heart in their audition, Mm -hmm. so they're Mm -hmm. all individual and unique. Mm -hmm. If it's a perfect fit university for you, it's going to develop you. That's right. And make you better, as opposed to you trying to compete against all these bright and shiny stars that feel like they have all that. If you're in a smaller situation, you get developed the way you need to be. Absolutely. And that's what's (laughs) important, is you are going to school, this is to an earlier point, you are going to school to learn to be a well-rounded artist, Mm -hmm. not 
to be a slick um, artist who can just sparkle on cue. Mm -hmm. You need to learn to be a good artist, Mm -hmm. you know, a good, well-rounded artist, Mm -hmm. and that's key. There are other programs that help develop Mm -hmm. the human being. They've got not only a a psychologist, but they also have nutritionists. Mm. A lot of schools are bringing that in. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know how to take care of our... Well, we don't... We know how to take care of ourselves. There are we need to learn how to better take care Mm -hmm, of ourselves. mm -hmm. And what does it take in the stress level that this field Mm -hmm. um, engenders in us? How do we take care of ourselves when when we're under all that stress, when we're under that rejection? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we deal with that? That's Mm -hmm. so important. Mm -hmm. That's important moving forward. And again, going back to our discussion about archetypes, Mm -hmm. sometimes our archetype's not going to hit for a while. Right, right. So we have to hang on to it, and mm-hmm. we have to say, "My time is just about to come." Mm-hmm. So I'm, or my time is now. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, or I'm a female character actor, and those tend to be 38 years old, and I'm 22. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So what do we do in the meantime? We still have to develop ourselves as artists, mm-hmm. you know, and we mm-hmm. have to know where to go. So having those programs help us focus that is really mm-hmm. important. So look right. around and ask those questions. Right. Ask right. those questions. Um, be and not just on blogs. No. Go to a source and ask those questions. Absolutely. A really va- valid source, not a bitter student, but, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can read websites. You can really see. They say in their mission statement what they do and how they do it. Right. Um, you, can, you can read between the lines. Read the theater department website. But as if, much as possible. But if you call the theater department mm-hmm. and ask to speak to the head of the program or someone there, mm-hmm. they should take your call and they should answer your questions. Mm-hmm. And if you're always getting the runaround at this theater department, there you go. there's your clue right there. <laughs> yes. Because they should be It's just going to op- get worse. It's just going to get worse. <laughs> right. They should be open and welcoming. Right. For and many of them are. And they're doing mm-hmm. a really good job of that sort of building the bridge between yeah. potential students. Right. So we have to remember that. It's not just about the school accepting you. It's about you accepting the school. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way thing. Exactly. So don't you want to be sure. Don't forget that. Remember, mm-hmm. you are all, you are also the customer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so ask those questions. Call them all the time. Yeah. And especially if you get an offer from them and you've got multiple offers, mm-hmm. get really critical with those questions. Yeah. Right. Ask a lot of questions. Very good. Tip number 10. Seek good advice when picking audition material. Content should be rated PG and entertaining. Songs should be within your dependable range and choreography should be within your skill set. Don't attempt songs and dance pieces outside of your ability. Now I did PG basically from sitting through a lot of auditions at one point in my career and um, things that were R and X were just, you know, that may be entertaining for young people was overwhelming mm-hmm. to listen to. And it's a lot to pick through in your casting director brain, getting past the content to yeah. see what, what, who is this in front of me? Right. Well, language, um, language is a, it's there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is to, um, is to make a strong point about something. Mm -hmm. And so to make that strong point, it has to be a strong piece Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to do it well, Mm -hmm. but it does become overwhelming for those sitting on the other side of the table. And beyond language, I'm talking about don't pick the rape scene. Right. Pick something that led up to that that's going to explain to us the purpose 
of this character and what she's about to go through. Be careful what you pick. Don't pick the violence. Pick the meat of the story. Right. Well, and and you're right. Young people do resonate with these material because mm-hmm. it is very it's, it's very sort of adult material, mm-hmm. and they feel like they're really able to tackle something that's mm-hmm. much more adult. But you know, picking material picking material is the most important thing to do for mm-hmm. college auditions. Mm-hmm. But what's more important than just the one piece is what is the contrast piece? Mm-hmm. What are these two pieces and are you contrasting them? And what are they showing? And what are they showing? Mm-hmm. You know, you need to show that you can do dramatic, but you need to show that you can do dramatic well, not not just like screaming, uh, screaming and yelling, and 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 <laughs> thinking that you're being a lot, being very angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if that's just that one color, or if if your piece has a lot of language in it, if it's all just one color, angry or screaming, you have not done your job. Mm-hmm. Because when we're angry, we laugh. When mm-hmm. we're angry, because we were shocked at ourselves, we're shocked mm-hmm. at something else. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of colors and emotions mm-hmm. coming out in it. And my, unfortunately, I see a lot of one level. Acting because I see mm-hmm. it because it feels good when you're when you're when you're expressing anger it feels really good yeah, yeah. so you do it for the entire monologue yeah. you know you've done the entire <laughs> yeah. piece and yeah. that's when you it shows that you are not um, leveled and nuanced and layered mm-hmm. as an actor right so that's typically what I find in those pieces and that's why it's hard to suggest to them <laughs> mm-hmm. unless you're doing them with lots of nuance. But then finding that contrast. So you also have to be a good comedian. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the best actors who Mm -hmm. are working today, they're able to do drama, but they're also able to do comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, someone like um, like Kelly O'Hara, for example, Mm -hmm. or Michael Cerveris, you know, they're Mm -hmm. able to do drama and they're Mm -hmm. able to do big comedy, Mm -hmm. big broad Mm -hmm. comedy. So it's applying all the skills. So you have to be able to show that that is who you are as an artist. Mm -hmm. That's important to me. So... Um, stay within your dance ability. Stay within your singing ability. Stay within your acting ability. What does that well, mean? You, you, first of all, your voice. Let's start with the, the singing, too. Mm-hmm. Your voice is still not fully formed at 18 years old Mm-mm. at all. Mm-mm. So um, I see a lot of actor, young actors trying to attempt Elphaba from mm-hmm. Wicked or those big mm-hmm. things, and they do not have that skill set to be able to do the song the justice that it deserves. Mm-hmm. And and we know those songs. We mm-hmm. know these songs. So mm-hmm. we know, we know that that you are not reaching that skill. If mm-hmm. you, but if you can do a piece that it fits right into you, into your wheelhouse where you are in mm-hmm. that moment, mm-hmm. and you can do it really, really well, mm-hmm. that's much better than trying to tackle this huge piece and mm-hmm. do it sort of half well or poorly. I have I have someone that I'm coaching on a regular basis because she's transitioning out of ingenue princess and into her next lead into her leading lady phase um and so we're changing her rep and we're finding material and she has this gorgeous voice and i am constantly telling her as we're picking material for her you are a viola not a violin you're a viola and definitely not a trumpet we need to pick music that is the most beautifully structured song for a viola, not a trumpet, because I find alphabet to be a trumpet. Mm-hmm, right. If I were gonna, and she needs to find material, and in that way she finds um, shows that she can do when we do that. Um, and so you need to not want to belt an F five <laughs> on the scale, right. um, because that's what is in Defying Gravity, but sing that F5 
the best way you can, whether it's a domed bel canto sound or nice, nice soft, lilty kind of head voicey sound. Um, you don't have to scream belt that. You need to figure out who you are, what your instrument is, and and find music. Absolutely, and and. That may <clears throat> that'll change as you get older. Sure. Well, look at Adina Menzel. First of all, in Wicked, mm-hmm. I mean, she wasn't a she wasn't 18 years old when no. she did that. She had been through Rent and all those other uh-huh. things first. Her voice had matured quite a bit. Yeah. So if you're continued working on the pieces or working on your legit voice so that you mm-hmm. can do, um, you know, Laurie in Oklahoma or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that may be something great for you later on. Mm-hmm. So, but but where you are in the moment there really should be someone helping you yes <laughs> pick, pick that right material yes. in that moment because yes. not that if, if you even if you like it it's it still may not be the right right piece for you your favorite song is not your audition song exactly that's a good way to think <laughs> yes. about it yeah because i see a lot of people or, or for example i had a young girl come in and audition for me and she was auditioning with sunset boulevard with oh. the with the 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 glenn close you <laughs> know yeah, character yeah. and she uh, was like 18 norman or 19 desmond. <laughs> norman desmond 18 19 and it's like oh no nope and that song fit perfectly into her vocal range because she was a very, very much a you know, contralto singer, you know, yeah, at her young um, age. Mezzo or an alto. Uh, mezzo. But there's, there's other music mm-hmm. that she could be singing. Yes. But not that. And, right. I, and it was just a huge mistake because all I could think of was I was I, watching her, but I wasn't listening to her. There you go. There it is. Because I was th- I was thinking, there it is. this is the wrong song for you. This yeah. is the wrong music. You have no idea what it's like to be old and been and, away for so long yeah. and washed up and, and to come unwelcome. back. And unwelcome mm-hmm. in the world. You don't know what that is yet, so you can't. You don't. You don't have the life experience to bring into that moment. Right. And, and so, I like what you said because it's the truth. You were stuck in your mm-hmm. own thought process and not really listening not to listen what to you her. needed to be listening to. Correct. And that's kind of why you want to pick the perfect fit material, is just so people can focus and have some clarity. That's right. That's right. And you know, uh, last year I was. Um, coaching a student down here in, in West Palm Beach for her auditions for Juilliard and she did the most perfect pairing of pieces she did a piece from um, from um, an Arthur Miller piece mm-hmm. and uh, I literally said this to her I said I have never been speechless before I've ever <laughs> said I have no notes for you I have no comments because you completely pulled me into mm, Catherine nice. yeah. and I listened and I saw the character Mm-hmm. And I literally have nothing to tell you other than I loved what you did. And she got into Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There, but so, but she just picked the right material. Yeah, the perfect fit. It, it was right for her. She mm-hmm. was the right age. She was mm-hmm. the right age range for it. She did it very, very well. And she had a contrasting piece that also worked really, really well, which I don't remember what it was because I was so con- taken with, with Catherine. But mm-hmm. it, it worked for her completely. Yeah. And I, But I listened to her because it was, yeah. I, wasn't, yeah. I, w- I wasn't thinking, oh, this is the wrong piece for you. Yeah. I can remember there's a monologue and fantastics about a bird on a windowsill mm-hmm. do I have the right one and um, I was behind the table for a college audition process and I think we heard that monologue it's hard to find monologues for young people it is it really is um, and we heard that monologue it's for an ingenue female um, 10 times ish and this is where I learned it doesn't always matter that your piece was done during the day, as long as it's the perfect fit for you and you're emotionally connected and you bring to life, that piece represents what you have to say. Right, right. And there was one young lady that came in, monologue number nine, you know, having mm-hmm. heard it all day. To this day, I 
can't forget her. Right, because she brought... It was just... And, you know, she didn't do anything sparkly or big or fantastic. It just fit her. her it was voice, honest. Her mannerism. She knew that monologue spoke to her. Whereas it was just words with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Let's just get through this and say these words. Mm -hmm. But you could tell by the way she delivered it, she connected to that monologue. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the other thing. Perfect fit material comes from knowing your type and knowing who you are and finding, knowing what you want to say. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I hear this, and I know as an actor myself, finding material is the hardest part mm -hmm, of this business. Mm -hmm. And it will always will be because as, mm -hmm. as we age, we have to find mm -hmm. new material. I can't mm -hmm. do Richard from All Wilderness anymore as my mm -hmm. monologue. It got me work for years, but mm -hmm. he's 19 years old, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I could use it while I still sort of fit that, that mm -hmm. age range. But mm -hmm. you, you're always having to find new material. And I always get, I always hear people say, it is so hard. Yes, it is hard, mm -hmm. but that's our but job. That, mm -hmm. that is our job, and there are people that do that for a living. That's what I do. I write resources, and I collect material and make lists. And there are tons of things out there where there are lists of things, and you just have to read them and know who you are and know what you want to say. I've had conversation about a lot recently is, it's not exciting talking about the material. It's nice. It's not exciting. And I said, well, let's work on it first. Yes. Let's work on it first and bring it to life. Nine times out of ten, it becomes exciting once mm -hmm. you start working on it. Once you give it but, life. Yeah. yeah, but just looking at something on a page that you really like, but you haven't developed it yet, is not a good analysis. No. Um, you know, I, I'll say a lot of times when we read plays we don't see the depth of it right away mm -hmm. anyway. Read it again. <laughs> we read it again. Read it again and again yeah. and see and find that heart and that life to it. Mm -hmm. Because, again, our job as actors is to be an archaeologist on that text and mm -hmm. to really dig deep in and find that. Mm -hmm. Because once you find those layers and levels and colors, you will love anything mm -hmm. once mm -hmm. you once you do the true. research and find Very it. True. Just memorizing the words mm -hmm. is not is not going to give you enough. It's not going to get you anywhere actually. Right. You know, it's going to allow you to allow you to have a memorized piece of work or mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. You should put it in both both contexts. But uh, once you work on it, you can make anything work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always mm -hmm. use this analogy. Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep has mm -hmm. made more movies work, mm -hmm. screenplays work, mm -hmm. because she fills it with a life mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it, that is not really there on the page, mm -hmm. and she makes you like her character right. or the right. movie better. It make the, makes the movie better than what it is. Right. So she is, yeah. you know, she's a great example of mm -hmm. finding the depth and the heart of the character. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Very good. Gary, thank you so much for all of this wisdom that you're sharing with us today. It has been a pleasure, and it's good to see you again. It's good to see you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Decode the Secrets to Your Success is a production of the Musical Theater Codex Studio. The series was written by me, Anita Inslee, with editorial support by Chris Inslee. You can find more about this topic on our website, which is www.musicaltheatercodex.com. That is theater with an E-R, not R-E. www.musicaltheatercodex.com.